Thank you guys for uh, amusing us. So um, there is a handout of some uh, just information we're going to uh, go over that you can keep and then we can make that available as people need it. Uh, but I appreciate you guys uh, coming out tonight or coming out this, uh, this afternoon. And so we're going to um, have a, a conversation um, about, you know, what is, uh, what, where do I begin um, with spiritual disciplines? And then if I am engaging in them, how do I continue to make those a part of my life and add new ones um, uh, as I continue to walk with Christ? Let me pray for us real quick and we'll have a, um, and we'll get into our conversation. Uh, Father, um, this morning, um, as we finally get into some cooler weather here in Columbia, um, we praise you uh, for all the things that we remember and don't, uh, and don't remember uh, that you do for us. But the thing, uh, Lord, that I, want us, uh, that I want to remember from day to day, Lord, is that uh, life uh, is with you. And, uh, Father, you want us to walk with you daily. And, we want, uh, and you want us to do life with you and for us to enjoy that life and look forward to that life, Father, that there is joy there, as we sung about this morning. And so, Lord, um, in our brief time together, uh, Lord, would you uh, unpack for us and help us understand uh, what it looks like um, to live with you, uh, to live intentionally with you, uh, to give good effort to the life that you have laid before us, and, uh, and help open our eyes to uh, ways that we can improve that and enjoy you more. Uh, we love you, Father. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So we're going to look at a particular text that um, is one of, of one of, if not my favorite text in the New Testament. Um, but uh, some of you may have uh, may have never come across this, and it's in Second Peter chapter one. And so, if you have your Bibles, turn there. We'll have uh, some stuff uh, coming up on the um, on the screen uh, that'll help you follow along. As we begin, though, I want you. Um, to think of these questions that are on your handout. I don't, I don't think that they're um, on the board uh, or on the screen behind us, but I'll read them out to you, and I just want you to, like, this is what we want to uh, kind of wrap our heads around. So there's a slide that says vision, intention, means, and effort. And so it, this is following along, with those, um, following along with those words. So whenever we're thinking about the Christian life, I'll, the most important thing that we need to have always before is this idea of what is Christ's vision for us, right? What is the picture, what is life supposed to look like, right, when I'm doing it correctly, right? We need to have a strong vision. And so the question, right, that we want to make sure that the answer today, right, is what is that picture that God is giving us, right? So we need a vision. Now, the second thing we need is once we have that vision that we need to have an intention to do it. So our intention, right, needs to be for that vision. We can have visions all day long, but do we have an intention to, make that, to, to see that vision, to make that a reality? This last, uh, this last idea, uh, vision, intention, then we have means. What are the means, right, if I'm intentionally doing something, what are the means that are going to allow me to achieve that vision? Okay, and so these things are kind of the three parts. We got the picture, we got the intention, I mean to see this vision through, and then what are the means that are going to uh, help me get there? And then the last piece is what uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 focuses on, is this idea of effort. Um, how many of you are super lazy? Excellent. Me too, right? I'm amazing at being lazy. Uh, but, but you're not lazy at everything. There's a lot of stuff that you give good effort to, Right? And sometimes those are good things, right? And sometimes those are, are not great things. 
Uh, but this effort matters. And so a lot of times this is not something that we talk about, but, uh, but Peter here spends, uh, spends great length talking about the, the role of effort in the Christian life. And so, um, so this last question is, to what do I need to give attention and effort? And so that's the piece, right? That that's actually the thing that I want to, um, to met out today for you to understand really well that what are the things that I personally, so not just general Christian, right? But Renee or Rob, Ashley, Carissa, what are, what are me, that personal person, need to give attention and effort to? And so that is what our conversation is today. And so as we go through, as per usual, right, we want this to be a conversation. So as I'm going, I want you to say, hey, what are you talking about? And let's get that straight. All right, so let's look at our passage. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 10. Now, seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Right, that before we do anything, right, we understand that we are missing absolutely nothing. So, uh, so that's where we start. So we'll keep going through. So Peter's saying, seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these things, these promises, he has granted us uh, his precious and magnificent promises that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, this is where the effort comes in, applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence, in your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, in your self-control perseverance, in your perseverance godliness, and in your godliness brotherly kindness, and in their brotherly kindness love. For if these qualities are yours and they are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. As long as you practice these things, you will never, never stumble. Amen. So here's what I want us to do. So I'm going to quickly go through the passage, kind of verse by verse, and there's going to be seven things right, that I want you to notice. So these are on your, uh, these are on your passage, if you have that, if you're taking notes. But I want you then to take special means, though, to make sure that at each point you're comfortable, because once we have that, then we're going to talk about uh, what kind of where your next steps are in connecting spiritual disciplines with this, um, with this um, qualities ladder, we'll call them, okay? All right, so um, how many of you typically think or don't do something because you can't or don't have the means or don't think you have all the tools? So this comes, this comes right. This is probably the most common conversation that I have with folks is that I have great desire to, right, to do differently, but I feel like I'm missing something. So, so for instance, if there's a friend of mine that is interested in spiritual things and I really want to share the gospel with them, but I feel inadequate. I won't be able to answer their questions. I won't be able to do this or that. And so it keeps me right from kind of taking the next step. And so Peter is wise to our struggles. And so this is where he starts, right? This very first statement. As we are in Christ and we have the Holy Spirit, you are lacking nothing, right? Nor are you waiting to be given some different life experience or waiting on godliness to enable you to do something else. So here's what this means. Wherever you are in your spiritual walk, if you are in Christ, you are now right, able to do anything, right, that you can in him, 
okay? There's nothing that you should be waiting for. This was probably the most eye-opening thing for my life when I was struggling in my, um, in my early 20s is that I literally, I don't know if you guys are in this boat, I literally was waiting, like just waiting around, God, when are you going to change me? Have any of you had that thought? I'm tired of struggling with the sins that I'm struggling with. I'm tired of um, not being able to do the things that I really want to do. Right? And I was just waiting, like, God, why aren't you changing my heart? Why aren't you doing X? Why aren't you doing Y? And I came across this passage, and I was like, Father, is this, are you, are you saying this just for me that, Rob, there's, you're, not, you're, you're not supposed to be waiting on me. You're not lacking anything. And so is that good news for some of you? Because I know you, like me, right, are waiting on God to, to do something different than he has given you. Or somebody kind of gives you all the tools, and you're like, yeah, but like, is there another tool? Like, nope, this is all of them, right? You've been given everything. There's no, there's no, um, there's no prize pack that's being held back from you, okay? So, so this is where we start. That's not a, uh, what, Paul, uh, what Peter's saying here is, is we have no excuse for not moving forward. No, and that's verse three. Number two, he says in verse four, the Holy Spirit has given, uh, was given to us for the purpose of maturing us, right? for making us healthy, uh, growing in and into the image of Christ. The Holy Spirit is not a, a doctrine that we talk about a whole lot, but again, this is one that comes up over and over again because we don't really understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How many of you have ever been hiking? Okay, the rest of you want to, right? You're like, no, I don't want to go in the woods and just kind of wander around. Um, have you been um, hiking uh, with someone that knows the path well? What's, how is that experience different than like just friends walking in the woods versus going with a guide who knows where they're going and what they're doing. Somebody describe the difference there. Why? Right. I don't have to worry about it. They know where they're going. I'm just, uh, I'm just along for the ride. Or the stress of, uh, you guys have probably been on a road trip in the last month, you got the person driving and then maybe you're navigating and neither of you have been there, right? And are you a little stressed? You're like, what's the turn? I missed the turn. Renee and I still do this more often than I would care to. <laughs> right? But if somebody knows where they're going, right? There's no map. Isn't that ride pretty nice? How many of you have been to a museum with a guide? Okay. So this is a little bit different. So people have been to, so you can hike in the woods and that's still enjoyable. If you've been to a museum without a person telling you like what you're looking at and explaining you why it's neat or why you should care, okay, you're like, pictures, it's nice. Yeah, yeah, I like this one. This one's big. <laughs> but when you go with, with a person that knows art, how, somebody explain to me like what that experience is like, if you've ever had it. Yeah, Will. It is, right? It's, it's, like, it's like I'm kind of basically have my finger up my nose. Uh, is there something uh, missing here? I mean, it's nice. It's quiet. It's well lit. I feel calm, but I don't get it, right? And yet when you walk around with somebody that knows art, it's like it goes from kind of a, a, a maybe a one or a two on the enjoyable scale to like a nine or a ten because you're like, I want to come to museums all the time with people that know what they're looking at, right? 
And so this is probably the best analogy that I can give as far as the Holy Spirit's role in your life, right? That we, we read about that he's this person that belongs to us as we're in Christ, but the role that he wants to play, right, is guide and leader. That he's there to bring you into all truth, to encourage you, right, to teach you things, right, to lead you to, hey, I have this idea. I want to do this. Hey, that's bad. Hey, the Holy Spirit says, hey, I want to bring you into the things that God values and teach you how to do those. Those are better. Okay? And so that is the purpose of the Holy Spirit, right? Is to bring you to maturity. Um, the thing about maturity, did anybody realize when they were like, uh, so you say you're like in elementary, middle school, and then high school, did anybody kind of come to a day and you're like, I just realized I'm super mature. Did anybody do that? How did it happen? Like, how did you realize that you were just more mature than you used to be? Did someone tell you? Okay, that's good. That's helpful. Hey, you're not as weird, as goofy, or as strange as you used to be. Way to go. (laughs) How else did we find out that we were more mature than we used to be? Okay, right? What else? Get embarrassed over past. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you maybe look at a picture. <laughs> so it's like the, the older you are, the, when you get like old pictures, you're like, what was I wearing? And why was I wearing that? Maybe one more. How did we dis- discover that we were more mature? We're able to handle things we once were not able to handle. Yeah, like we remember back like, hey, that wasn't that big a deal. That was nice. Right, that I understood. So there's all these different kind of context clues that lead us into this idea of maturity, but it's not something that we typically choose for ourselves, is it? Right? We don't, uh, 10-year-old Rob was like, man, I can't wait till I'm 13. I'm going to be so much more mature. Right? I was enjoying my immaturity. I don't know if anyone else was, but I was greatly. In the Christian life, I think a lot of us uh, expect immaturity far too far too long and we're not looking forward right to growing up right we're growing up physically growing up spiritually being able to move from not being responsible or not being able to do stuff to being able to do stuff i'm anticipating that some of you have enjoyed being mature that your parents or a boss has said hey you know you're ready for this hasn't that felt good that they recognize that you're ready for this this is another a thing that Peter is trying to remind us to do that like, hey, we've saved that, that God has saved you, right? He has given you Holy Spirit for the purposes of that He believes in you. Right? That He expects you to grow up in Him, that He wants you to be like Him. And He thinks that you can be. What are some struggles that we have with this idea, like in on our society and particularly in our spiritual culture? Is that something that we're excited about or that we encourage people to do is to grow up in the faith? I can think we say that as kind of a being mean, right? Grow up. Drew, grow up. Why do we struggle with this? Talk about this uh, amongst your, with your neighbor. Why do, we, why do we struggle for wanting to be mature in our faith? All right, talk with your neighbor real quick.
All right, what are some things? All right, everybody wave at Hollis. And she runs away. <laughs> um, all right, what are, what are the things that are keeping us, right, from enjoying, right, or looking forward to this idea of being spiritually mature? What keeps us? Yes. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. I really, I want to be, uh, I don't want to take on responsibility until I'm, until I do some other stuff, right? That's absolutely natural. Somebody else. Yeah, Ariel. Absolutely, right? There is more expectation once you kind of been given, right, some things to do. All right, a couple more. It brings worry, right? That as soon as, like, this is one of the best things about when we remember being a child is, is as we get older, imagine, like, how, what how stuff you have to go through. I thought it couldn't be more responsibility, but as I've gotten older, hey, there's more responsibility to be had. And as I think back to being a kid and the carefreeness, right, of just enjoying life, right, that that was great, but we can't, but that's not, and it shouldn't be our expectation forever, okay? Somebody else? Good stuff, yeah. Yeah, not wanting to leave our comfort zone, okay? So we've described why we stay, okay? But what does it look like? Why do we want to then be the thing? Have we also missed out, though, that I'm not, uh, whether it's in skill building, whether it's in a relationship, where there are negative things, right, to not kind of being the thing that I want to be, right? How many of you have felt that emotion? Hey, I'm ready to be there, Right, whether it's on a car ride, whether it's I'm working out on a new skill and I just stink at it. People, how many people like play an instrument? Right, how fun was that when you were bad at it? And you're like, ooh, yeah, keep trying. Ooh, you know, that's terrible. But then when I can do the thing, right, that there's this feeling of accomplishment, right, that there's a, a piece of me that is now useful <laughs> with, that, uh, with that instrument. So the thing that uh, Peter wants us to see, and Jesus teaches this uh, many times, is maturity right, equals image bearing. That until we're mature, that we're not able right, to bear the image of God successfully. And so um, any other kind of analogy that you want to put in here, so like a sapling to an actual tree, right? From a, from a puppy, and that's kind of a, you like puppies, but like a puppy is supposed to grow into a dog. <laughs> but we always enjoy like the puppiness right? But we need to enjoy the dogness. We need to enjoy the treeness, right? We need to enjoy like the, in the positive sense, a musician, right, that can handle their instrument, right? And they are then useful. The tree can bear fruit when it's fully grown, right? The dog can be an actual companion versus a shedding, pooping, peeing, digging thing, right? And you're like, yeah, that is what happens. So, so that is the thing that, that as opposed to, we have lots of reasons for not wanting to be mature, right? Not wanting to get older, right? But he says, but then as if you delay that, if that's not something you look forward to, you can't ever be the thing that I want you to be. There's so much more for you if you will look forward to that maturing and to turning into, right, the thing 
that I have died for, given you the Holy Spirit for, and want to bring you into. What I just said? I don't know if I can. (laughs) Um, I'll listen back to it in response. Uh, so, but the idea Bia, is, is that we, we want to, we, we've got to change our attitude that we need to want to be the thing that God wants us to be, okay? He died for us to be that, right? He has given us the Holy Spirit to be that. He's given us instructions to move us from where we are to where he wants us to be. And so this is really where the church is struck, that there's this, uh, one, of my, one of the most powerful uh, kind of um, pieces of a sermon of uh, there's a guy named Vody Bauckham, and uh, he, he talks about this idea that uh, the church is replete uh, from, you know, from 15-year-olds to 70-year-olds that are not ready to take responsibility, and it's killing the church. Right? Like you can walk up to a 65-year-old man, and I could, as a 45-year-old man, I was like, hey, buddy, you've, you've walked with the Lord for 50 years. Like, hey, can you take me under your wing? I, I've learned a bunch of stuff, but... I can't possibly know as much as you do with walking for him for another 20 years. He's like, man, I, you know, I can't do that. I'm not mature yet. I was like, are you kidding me? This is what he's saying. You're 65 years old. You've been walking with the Lord for 40 years and he hasn't made any more of a difference in your life? That's funny, except it's sad. And it's not sad when we're 20. And so the issue is, hey, you've got some time, but it gets sadder the older you get. But if we don't understand that the Lord wants you to grow up as soon as you can because there's joy and better things there than what you have now. Much of our Christian life feels like I'm in high school and my parents are rich. <laughs> right? That I get to enjoy all the benefits of the richness and yet I have no responsibility. And God says, that's nice, but I need you to want the responsibility. I need you to want to move past this into something else. So in verse 5, he goes on to say that our role in partaking and enjoying more and more of the divine nature, right, it's partaking in that. It's it's changing from where I am to where he wants me to be, right, that I've got to supply effort in my acting, trusting relationship with him. That I've got to not see his relationship as simply companionship, right, but he's there to coach me right, to help me move to the next phase. And so here's where the ladder comes in. And so this is, uh, I think, can be really, really revolutionary for you if we look at the scripture and we take it to heart. Here's what he says uh, in, uh, in the next couple of verses. Here, flip to number four. He wants to give us this ladder here to see what we need to work on. Right? What godly qualities we will possess is our effort is consistently added to the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives. So I don't, have a, I don't have a good analogy here for like, the progression of like, being able to recognize uh, you know, two different saxophones to the ability to like, how do I hold it without breaking it to the amount of how to make sound come out of it to like, hey, that was row, row, row your boat, awesome. To reading music or you kind of going up the, the scale of competency. But here it's like, man, wouldn't that be cool if the Bible talked about what it looked like, what each of those, what, what those kind of skill building or qualities in myself, what did it look like to kind of get the first one and then what's the next one? Well, guys, 
this is this place that it talks about this in the Bible. This is really the only place. There's another ladder in Romans, but it's not, uh, it's not as extensive. And so here's what, what is being shared here. It says, once we have faith, here are the things that we, we can go, here's the way that we go from faith, right, to love, right? Remember that that's the greatest commandment, right? To love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Well, guess what? You're really bad at that, right? Yes? Yes? Rob, yes? Yep. Consistently loving those that I know, <laughs> consistently loving those that I don't know, and loving a God, right, that I need to love. He says that actually is the last step. He says that you, I've got to teach you basically how to have the, these, all these other qualities before you're able to really do that. Does that, is that, what's your response to that? Is that relieving? Right? Or is that like, oh, wow, so it looks like if I kind of do these things, I'll actually be able to love people well. What, what is your honest reaction to, to looking at this ladder and seeing that, oh, love is the thing that I'm going to get to, but only if right, I learn how to do these other things? Honest reaction. It sounds unnatural. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. That's a great response. Somebody else. What's your honest reaction? To that idea. Right, it doesn't. Right, because, right, I just want to love. Like, aren't you just going to and just make me love people? It doesn't work like that, does it? There's a lot of things before love. Any other, one more comment as you look at that list. So here's what, how this works, okay? So when we come to faith, the first thing, if we were to have been taught this right when we became a Christian, the first thing that we need to give effort to, this is the idea of diligence, right, is basically putting sin away. So not that we, what we do is we try to maintain all these other qualities while I kind of wrestle with my sin. So it's like putting clothes on a toddler who doesn't want clothes put on them. Yes? Anybody have done this or seen it done? Right? So if you've never tried to put like a onesie on a two-year-old that's mad, that's about how it feels, right, when we are trying to kind of do spiritual disciplines while, our, while not putting our sin away. And I say for me, this was the first place when I saw this and I understood what moral excellence meant. I'm like, that makes a whole lot of sense about why I have been struggling to do the things that God wants me to do because I'm doing those while I'm basically just managing my sin. Right? I basically like I'm putting a passy in my sin. <laughs> there, there. It's okay. I'll be back soon. And what does that do to us as we, and, and this, I'm describing what you're dealing with right now. How does that, how does that mess up our relationship with the Lord? Right? It would be like, hey, I'm, I, here's this relationship that I say I want, and yet here's all these other relationships that I'm actually engaging in. And this one is not going so well. Right? So, this, so there's a reason why it's first. This is going to uh, need to happen before I actually get on the right path. I've got to, 
I've got to start wrestling with, right? What does the Bible tell us to do with our sin? Put it to death. Take it out behind the woodshed. Get the shotgun. Or what, uh, take a chicken. You know, anybody seen the ring the neck? We don't like pat the chicken, right? <laughs> like we've got we've to instinctively say, I, I want you to be, to be gone from my life. That that is our attitude. And so moral excellence is the thing that we've got to wrestle with. Now, it's not that we don't ever, like that we wrestle with it for a time and then it's done, but that's where it's got to start, right? That I've got to wrestle with and want to put to death my sin. Not understanding what comes after, but trusting that what he has for me and not sin is better than sin. But that's what we know. The second thing that happens then is that as I, as I start to put the uh, sin away, I'm left in this place where well, what do I do now? That actually drives my thirst for truth. Because I don't know. When you don't know what, what motivates your learning, the last time that you had to learn something, what motivated that learning? Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. Yep. But why? Like, why? Got yeah, I got a test on Tuesday. But what about something you voluntarily chose to learn? interest. Do we have, right, an interest, right, in learning God's life? So that knowledge base, right, that urgency drives us, right, to gain knowledge. How do I, I don't know how to do something, so let me do it. So those of you, anybody, like, practiced guitar or learned how to play guitar, right? YouTube videos, right? Right, I want to do it, so let me go to a place that, like, shows me how to do it from scratch. This is the same idea. So then here is, once I'm, I'm learning to put my sin away and I'm growing in the knowledge of the Lord, the rest of it basically is getting better at those two things. The thing that, keep, that held me back in my early 20s was this. I would stop at self-control and my father, I don't have any. I don't feel like I have control over myself. Anybody else? Kind of just a nod, you don't have to raise your hand. Like feel that's where you're stuck. Do you want to control yourself? Or do you want to be just kind of like at your at the mercy of your urges? That's a weird feeling, isn't it? I'm at the mercy of my urges. <laughs> it's really weird when it sounds like that. So he wants you to actually have self-control. That hey, guess what? Brigham's in control of his emotions. Like he's going to have them, but he's in control of like what they mean. Right? I'm going to have desires that until I learn new desires. I'm going to have desires that are not the best. But like, can I? Am I? Can I? manage, can through the power of the Holy Spirit, I learn to manage, right, my desires and what they mean. So, so that is something, guess what guys, you have to give effort to that. You have to give effort to have self-control. You have to pray for the Lord to change your attitude, to help and to tell others, right, that if I want self-control, I've got to work at it. And then as I work at that self-control and I persevere in having self-control, that's what perseverance is. Like you keep doing it. Crazy, right? <laughs> See, some of us have had victory maybe for like a half a week. Like you've done that. I put some sin away and I've read a, a Bible verse that was super encouraging and I had self-control like twice. Amen. That's awesome. 
But now you need to work at persevering in those things, right? Because it's not a habit yet. I'm not in the habit of getting truth into my life. I'm not a habit of putting my sin away. I'm not in a habit of trying to exert self-control. And as I do that, I learn to persevere in those hard things, right? And then here's where the good stuff comes. Guess what? As I learn to persevere in that, that is what godliness looks like. If you've met a godly person, it's because they put their sin away, they've grown in the knowledge of the Lord, they've learned to have self-control, they persevered in that self-control, and now they're consistently in that state. They're not perfect, they are not without sin. Sin is, can get to them, but they are godly because that's what he's like, that he exhibits those qualities. Does that make sense? You're like, oh yeah, that's helpful. And here's the, here's the last two. So as I can be right, consistently with those qualities, what's called godly, now and only now can I love my brother well. Because guess what? Until this point, who is my main uh, opponent in life or loving you well? As Andy. Right, me. Until I can kind of learn to control myself through the power of the Holy Spirit, that that is habit, I don't have time for you. Right? Think about Jesus' life. That he came down here, right? And he had time for everybody. Like, that's what it looks like. And so lastly, not just brotherly kindness, right? That's loving those I know. Okay? The last thing is I can love anybody. But as I can consistently love the people right in front of me that are in my family, that are in my car, right, they're at Thanksgiving dinner, even like the other people, right, as I learn to do that, then and only then can I truly love people. And so he goes on, and I'll finish up here. In verse 8, he talks about that we want to, if we want to, uh, that we want to possess these qualities in our lives because they make us useful and fruitful. See, that's the cool thing about wanting to, to be the dream or the full-grown dog, right? That I want, to, I want to then enjoy what comes from that. Right? That's the purpose of our relationship with Jesus. Verse 9, then he says, if I lack these qualities through apathy, lack of diligence, lack of understanding, that I'm supposed to have them, then I'm two things. At worst, I'm blind, that I don't see the vision that God has for me, like I can't see, right? So that's uh, absolute worst. Or at best, which is not good either, that I'm short-sighted, that I don't understand that he has eternity (laughs) in front of me. And so here's the last thing he says in verse 10. So be diligent in seeking these qualities through the help and power of the Holy Spirit, that this will give you assurance in your relationship with the Father. Isn't that what we want? How many of you have been in a relationship and you didn't feel good about the other person's involvement in it? Meaning like you didn't know if they were all in, right? Or, you, or they were all in and you weren't in. Isn't that an amazing like, way to kind of be in a relationship? Right? It's really hard, right? Even if it's in seasons of that. What we want is assurance. And this is how he says we can have it. He's not randomly stamping us assured. He wants us, right, to emotionally be assured. And he says if we're doing these, that we will not stumble, 
Right, so it's, it's again going back to this analogy of a path, that if I have things in front of me that I'll trip over, right, and that cause me to go different ways, that we won't have those. We will not stumble in our walk. So here's the, the, last, uh, here, so here's the last piece connecting all these things. So there's a, now a list of uh, spiritual disciplines. This is just a list from a guy named Donald Whitney. And so we've got books uh, up here. Um, that basically just kind of go through these. It is super, super accessible. Um, but what I would encourage you is, as you're looking at this list, okay, that there's some of these that you, uh, that you know or have tried, but each of these are spiritual disciplines, right, that are going to help us move up that ladder, that are going to give us the qualities, particularly on the, these are going to be concentrated, right, in the, helping us to put sin away and have be morally excellent, right? And to, um, and to uh, grow in our knowledge. But the rest of them, right, as we do that, are also going to help us, right, do the rest of them as well. So as you're looking um, at this list, thinking about if, what if I'm, hey, there's maybe one of these or two of these that I'm kind of doing right now, right? If you want to circle or write down, like, what is one that I need to add, right, to the things that I'm doing or try that in as I am uh, seeking to progress, okay? So the, the beauty of having kind of a big, nice list like that is there's lots of options, right, for me. Okay, here's something, here's one more thing uh, that I can do, all right? So questions or thoughts about that? So trying to connect, right? what these spiritual disciplines can mean to us in, the, in, um, in regards to putting sin away, right, and, uh, and growing in knowledge. So questions as you look at that real quick here as we, as we finish up. Does that make sense? Is that helpful to connect, right, those things? All right, so here's the, here's the last piece, and we'll have the questions um, up here. And so this is everyone's next step in this. This is even my next step. That as I think about the teaching of Second uh, of Second Peter chapter one, and I think about what uh, about the spiritual disciplines, now I need to bring these two things together and figure out, you know, what does Rob need to do, right? What does Reese need to do? What does Eli need to do? What does River need to do? What does Darian need to do? And so here's these questions, and so I want to end here with just taking any questions that you have. Uh, and, and, uh, and I can uh, do anything offline here. So here's the questions. What qualities do I possess on the ladder? Right? Am I kind of where, are you where like I'm stuck in self-control? Like that, I'm just not giving any diligence to being self-controlled. Right? That's where I'm stuck. Or am I stuck in the place where I'm not seeking to be right, morally excellent? What qualities do I possess on the ladder? Second question would be, do I think I skipped some steps? So when I saw this, I'm like, I skipped those two steps. <laughs> that is what the problem is. So another great question is, what spiritual disciplines have I participated in? So a lot of times, maybe some of you have like somebody shown you how to do, uh, like how they've done, uh, spent time with the Lord. Maybe some of you haven't. Um, but, uh, but is, but like as I'm looking at, scriptural like bible intake to understand all the ways that i can intake the bible because that really is the issue i need to intake it do any of you agree or disagree that you can read the bible for 30 minutes and not intake any of it right (laughs) 
So maybe one of the first things that would be really helpful for me is like, I need to learn that there's more ways to intake it than just passively reading it and hoping it just kind of jumps into my brain and my body. Okay, so finishing up, which ones have I become proficient in? Which ones do I practice with any regularity? What has been the fruit of the practices I've engaged in? And what have I been missing in my spiritual life by not including, not knowing, or not doing certain disciplines? So my, my last encouragement is that it all comes back to the vision, intentions, means, and effort. Okay? That until I read this passage, I understood it and was challenged by what God was telling me, I didn't have any of those things in my life. I didn't have a clear vision. I didn't have an intention to do anything about it. Right? I didn't know what means were available for me to accomplish those things. Right? And, uh, and I didn't understand that the effort that it required right, was the effort that it requires to do anything new. Right? A lot. And so that is the place, right, where I was left. Okay? I understand it. I've got, there's a vision. There's, uh, I've got to be intentional. I understand now the means for my movement and maturity in Christ. Am, am I going to give the effort? All right. So what questions do you have um, as we finish there? This is really important. Um, what, what is that next question then that you have as you under kind of bringing those two things together? Spiritual disciplines, the means... Okay, those are the means, if you didn't know, right? And the teaching, right, of the vision that God gives us here in 2 Peter 1. Anybody? All right, so if you won't tell me, tell your neighbor real quick, and then I'll close this. What are your thoughts? Here are my thoughts about what Rob said. All right, guys, let's pray. Now, Father, we thank you for your servant, Peter, um, that dealt with something uh, that really was missing in my life at a time that I was ready to hear it. Father, I long for somebody to talk to me at the level of my Christian experience, and I feel like Peter does this really well uh, in this letter. Lord, he's talking to me about where I err and, not, and all the things that I didn't understand that I was missing um, and not being able to do what you had called me to do, Father, for your will and your law and your teaching is good. And there's just a bunch of stuff I was missing to move from like, I think it's good, Father, but I just don't know how to do it. And so, Lord, I thank you and praise you for Peter that you gave him the words to help connect those dots for us and for me. Father, I pray that today would be, um, there would be spiritual breakthrough, that I understand the role of the Holy Spirit and how I can begin engaging um, His ministry to me. And Father, how I can uh, move from where I am to where you want me to be. Father, useful and fruitful for you. Father, we take your promise uh, is that by them that we've become, become partakers of your divine nature. This is how you created us to be in your garden and you want us to have it again. Lord, we thank you so much for this time uh, that you enable us to focus and to be together, uh, to teach, to learn, and to share. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.